all waiting for Colby Covington to return back to the UFC after a long layoff and make a big splash. But my friends, that did not happen at all. We also were expecting Dak Prescott to have a massive game as he tries to make his case to be the season's MVP. That also did not happen. We got those stories, plus, of course, so much more. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello, hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome to it. Outkick the morning starts right now. I'm Charlie Arnold. Hope all of you had a fantastic weekend. I definitely did. Uh, I got a little bit of a, a momentum going as far as my my health and well-being is concerned. If you watched the show on Friday and uh, heard my conversation, you probably heard me say that I'm addicted to sugar and that I'm having a real problem, especially during the holiday season, keeping my hands off of sweets, off of candy, off of dessert, that's actually a problem I have all year round, uh, but especially this time of year, it gets even worse. So I decided to take matters into my own hands, hearing myself say out loud that I'm an addict. You know, the first steps to getting better is admitting you have a problem. I did that on Friday, and now this is day four that I am entering into absolutely no sugar. Now, when I say no sugar, I mean no artificial sugars, no like desserts, no candies, no... Uh, cookies, none of that. I'm still eating fruits. I'll still have honey, those type of things, but no sugars. And actually I feel fantastic. Um, and I look better too, which who doesn't want that? So my goal now is to make it through the whole month of December, the rest of the way, no sugars. And then we'll reevaluate in January, but I have a feeling by then I'm not going to be craving it as much. So it won't be as much of an issue. So everybody, if you want to get on board, feel free. If not, also feel free. Uh, something else I did over the weekend was I watched UFC 296. That was Saturday night. Uh, I was not in Vegas, but I was nestled up in my apartment watching it on TV, and uh, it was a pretty hyped up event. Uh, we were all very much expecting Colby Covington to come back, be very dominant. Uh, but let's get into it, shall we? Uh, it was the welterweight title main event. Like I said, Colby Covington returning, taking on Leon Edwards, the current champion. Uh, this was Colby Covington coming back for the first time since March 2022. Uh, that was when he performed at UFC 272. He got a big win over Jorge Masvidal. So everybody's super excited, including myself. The guy sells tickets. And all the while, he put on a very confident and also convincing front as to why his return was going to be ultra dominant. All right. Let's look at his resume. 17-2 entering, former interim welterweight champ, a definite Hall of Famer in my opinion. So I was thinking, what would a win mean for Colby here? I thought becoming an undisputed champ would really solidify uh, his chances at getting into the Hall of Fame. But he did not handle business at all. Uh, he actually looked completely like a shell of himself. Uh, it's not the Colby Cummington that I knew from before. Uh, and this was a completely lopsided win. Uh, Leon Edwards in every single aspect of the fight was better than Colby Covington. It was a rare unanimous decision win. Uh, I had no doubt that the judges would swing that way. But what was very weird to me was that Colby Covington, actually, when he was standing there, you know, hand, the referee has both of their hands, he has this smirk on his face. And I'm like, don't tell me this guy actually thinks he has a shot at winning here. But he did. After his hand was not raised, he gave one of those looks like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then after the fact, during the post-fight press conference, he actually said he was surprised that he didn't get his hand raised, which I'm like, I'm sorry, were, were you 
in a different fight that the rest of us didn't see. He said that he believed the third, fourth, and fifth rounds belonged to him. Uh, because like I said, Leon Edwards outworked him the entire time in every aspect. Leon Edwards even out-wrestled Colby Covington, which is something you definitely would not have expected. Then Colby tried to blame his loss on biasness from the judges uh, because he supports Donald Trump. I and mean, that was his whole shtick all along, right? You saw what he was dressed up like. He was wearing the MAGA hat the whole time. But even I know, as a big Donald Trump fan, that this just does not fly. That is not the reason that the judges did not vote for you to win, or didn't score you to win, rather. Uh, and even in Dana White's words, Dana White was very clear-cut about Colby Covington's performance after the fact. He said he looked slow, he looked old. I totally agree. Colby also did mention that ring rust might have played a factor in his performance. So he's not totally clueless, right? Uh, but here's a clip from his post-fight interview. Let's take a listen. You know, I've had a long layoff, so I think a little ring rust had to do with it. But I want to shout out all our first responders, our military. Those are the real heroes, the celebrities of our country. also want to shout out Donald Trump. You can delay us, but you can't deny us. He's going to make America great again. We need these borders secure. We need inflation down. And we need America first again. Donald Trump's the only one that's going to do that again. 20, Trump 2024. He's really leaning into this whole political shtick. Are we going to see Colby Covington try to run for office one day? Uh, I also got to thinking maybe it was pressure that got to him. That's why he didn't perform as well as we would have expected. I mean, let's look at all the factors. He's 35 years old. He's making a return after 21 months. Maybe at this point, wouldn't have been the case before if he would have won, but maybe this is the last title opportunity. Uh, he also put the Trump campaign on his shoulders the entire time. I mean, even shouting out... Donald Trump after he lost. I mean, I would think this would be a time for real reflection, uh, not to get right back on your high horse and, you know, go on the whole political spiel. So maybe, you know, he was a little bit too wrapped up, maybe too involved in, in, in that part of his, his uh, I guess, appeal. Uh, but I also was thinking to myself, maybe pressure isn't a good excuse to give him because he's a high-level fighter. Uh, he definitely knows what pressures feel like. I also believe uh, on the whole Donald Trump thing. I also, as much again, as I love Donald Trump, I also think it was a bad look for him to be so pro-Trump because the whole time, and I even thought this before the fight took place, I'm like, what happens if Colby Covington does lose? Then everybody who hates Trump is going to, to watch this fight and say, oh, this is what's going to happen to Trump in the election. Oh, he's going to get his butt kicked, which they did because even after the fight, I went on X and I said, this card was not what I expected because it wasn't. And everybody came to me, oh, because your MAGA boy didn't win. That's why I'm like, can you all just shut up? That is literally not the reason I'm saying this. It is because I expected Colby Covington to come out and be dominant. I expected it to be a very close fight between him and Leon Edwards. I actually expected that there was the possibility there could be a finish. So whatever, I'm sick of everybody saying that. I imagine this would happen. It did happen. Uh, and I do think, like I said, it could have taken some of the focus off of the real fight for Colby Covington because he was so wrapped up in campaigning. Maybe his head just wasn't in the right place entering into this fight. Now, as far as his comments to Edwards at the pre-fight presser, saying that he was going to take Leon Edwards to the seventh layer of hell and maybe they would see Edwards' father there, also was just disgusting. Uh, that was completely uncalled for. You don't talk about other people's families. That's just taking it to a level that doesn't need to be there, right? Uh, your wife, your kids, those things are off limits as far as I'm concerned in fights. And also, let's just look at the facts. Leon Edwards' father was murdered. 
So especially something that should be off limits. Uh, Clearly, though, this only served as more fuel for Leon Edwards to defend his title and also kick Colby's ass completely. You cannot lose after someone speaks to you like that. And he dominated Colby from beginning to end. So here's what he said after the fight to Joe Rogan about the emotional rage that he was feeling entering into this one. This guy used my, my dad's death as entertainment. He used my dad's murder as entertainment. And it took a lot for me to calm down, stay focused, and come in this fight, you know. And I thought to my coaches, spoke to my mom, and I kind of just shut it all down, you know. Okay, also worth noting, just a little extra tidbit for all you out there. Every single American on the main card lost. But there was one Patriot in the audience who was definitely a fight of the night contender. Uh, can we take a look at that video right now? So it started with Duplessis sort of being shown. Strickland fires the gun. Duplessis dodges it. All right, so oh, he's still I'm being talking. told that Strickland asks Gilbert Burns' son to move. Oh, and then, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Out of nowhere. <laughs> that's that's kind of crazy. What? That's amazing. Uh, Strickland going in on his middleweight title challenger, Dreykus Duplessis, but let's also take a look at the video. I mean, he did ask Gilbert Burns' kids to move before he took action. So no one can say that Strickland is not just a complete gentleman, right? His daughter, Gilbert Burns' daughter, even tweeted out this after the fact. I don't like Sean Strickland's trash talks, but DDP called him to fight right there. Sean politely asked us to move before he jumped. So here's the thing. And you have to wonder, because is it wise to put two guys who are going to be fighting within the next couple of months, and there's obviously animosity between right next to each other? Probably not. So who exactly is responsible for sitting these two in the places that they did? Well, <laughs> we found out our answer, and this is so good. Listen to this. What kind of an asshole <clears throat> sits Strickland next to Duplessis? This asshole. <laughs> That's who. Yeah. I mean, you, you actually manually did the seating assignment for that? I do every seating assignment every week. All right, so that's on you. Yep. Do we know what fucking we're... stupid is that? I mean, seriously. Well, I don't know what humans you can sit strictly next to, but definitely not Duplessis. You know, it was. It was I, I don't even know how I missed that. And uh, yeah, so. That's amazing. Uh, this is another reason why I love Dana White. He takes all the slack. He's willing to admit he made a mistake. And honestly, I'm going to just say he didn't make a mistake. I thought it made the event that much more exciting. I think everybody did. That was awesome. Uh, Sean Strickland was kicked out of the event. Sean doesn't care, though. That's just that's just him. He's He is one of the most carefree, and, and carefree is a really nice way of putting it. Uh, but even before he was champion, I would do interviews with him uh, at different events. And he just would go off the rails. It was hysterical. I would be laughing so hard, I would be crying. Uh, now, a lot of the stuff he would say would never in, in, in our lives be able to make it to air, uh, but it was so funny. And um, I remember after one fight, I actually asked the production guys at UFC because I knew they weren't gonna put it on YouTube just because it was very inappropriate. And I was like, can you please send me that video? They're like, why do you want it? And I'm like, I just wanna watch it because it was such a hysterical moment 
that I need to go back and watch it after the fact. So they sent it to me. They're like, please never let anybody see this. Um, so, you know, I didn't, but it was great. And I love Sean Strickland and I love Dana White. And I'm happy that he's, he sat him close by to DDP because uh, now we just got a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a taste of what we can expect during their middleweight fight. And also, I feel like people are going to be more excited for that fight now. So maybe Dana White did himself a favor uh, selling more tickets to that main event, uh, which I think is taking place in... Either January or February. I can't recall. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and bring in Amber Harding uh, to get a little bit of her reaction of what went down at UFC 296. Amber, I know you're not a huge UFC fan, but even just as somebody who casually watches, to see a fight take place outside of the octagon at the event, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, Charlie, when Dana was like, oops, don't know how I missed that. I'm like, you, you did that on purpose, Dana. You know you did. Because even someone like me who's not super into UFC, that was the top story on my feed Sunday morning. It was the first story in my inbox. So it got people talking. And uh, any publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah, for sure. And I also, I mean, Sean Strickland didn't care. He was posting videos the next day. I think he was underneath his car working on like the underbody. I mean, it wasn't like he was like, hey guys, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to like distract or take any attention off of the fights. He just was working on his car, like casual bro, right? Exactly. <laughs> and even UFC tweeted out the video. So, you know, they're, they're encouraging it. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, also, besides UFC this weekend, a lot of football happens. Uh, week 15, I can't believe we're already wrapping up week 15. Uh, just before you know it, it's going to be time for the Super Bowl. And then what? Then what do we talk about for the rest of the year until the next football season? I'm not really sure. Uh, that's a concern that I don't want to even worry about right now. Uh, but... Speaking of concerns, Dak Prescott, uh, this was a big game for him. Uh, they were taking on the Bills. Uh, this was just really one more opportunity, a huge opportunity that he needed to really solidify his case to be the season's MVP. And he just looked awful. Uh, throwing for just 134 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Was this the performance that you were expecting to see from Dak Prescott this weekend? It wasn't, but um, I was I was actually hoping that we got vintage Dak here because um, as a Dolphins fan, I really wanted the Bills to lose, um, but it didn't work out that way. Um, so not a good day for Dak and the Cowboys. And this morning I checked the updated MVP odds, and now Brock Purdy um, for the 49ers is the overwhelming favorite, which is to be expected. The you know the Niners had a big win, but I think that's that's my problem with this award. Because there's there's a recency bias. So earlier in the season, when the 49ers right. lost three in a row, no one was calling for Brock Purdy to be MVP. In fact, a lot of people wanted him to be benched. So meanwhile, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, they were rolling. Well, now Dak has one bad game and all of a sudden he's out of the race and Brock Purdy's the favorite. So it just it seems like are we are we giving this award for the full body of work for the season? or just for the few games leading up to the playoffs. I just feel like the odds makers have a really short memory here. Yeah, well, that's the same thing with the college football playoff. We were just having this discussion last week. You know, there's there's different factors that are weighed in, and they don't necessarily make sense when you look at the whole body of work. Uh, but if you look at Brock Purdy, he also has a teammate, Christian McCaffrey, who people have said maybe he would be a candidate for MVP. Although we are living in a world where if you're not quarterback— Chances are, no matter what kind of season you had, 
uh, you're probably not going to be named MVP. Uh, the last time, actually, that there was a non-quarterback MVP was back in 2012, and that was Adrian Peterson. So Christian McCaffrey kind of would be following in that footsteps, um, you know, as running back. But uh, what, what do you think about the fact that if you're not quarterback, it doesn't matter how great of a season you have, you could have made all of the headlines. There's probably a pretty good possibility that award will not be coming your way. Yeah, and the numbers are pretty staggering. I'm, it's been since 2012 since AP got it. But then I think um, I read there's only been eight non-quarterbacks since like 1991 or something like that. So it is an award that's pretty much reserved for quarterbacks. But even Brock Purdy said that Christian McCaffrey deserves the MVP yeah. this year. And I mean, I like... I think you could make the case either way, but I will say, and not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, he's got one heck of a lineup. I mean, he is surrounded by all pros. And that was one of the things that we saw earlier in the season when they lost three in a row. Um, you had some injuries with Debo Samuel. Um, Christian McCaffrey was hurt for a little bit and he struggled without, without them. And again, that's not taking anything away from, from him, but it just goes to show you how valuable those other players are on that team too. Yeah, and, and if we're looking at the numbers uh, this weekend, I mean, the 49ers just completely took care of business as far as the Arizona Cardinals were concerned. They won 45-29. to 29. Purdy throwing for four touchdowns, two of them to, McCra to McCaffrey. McCaffrey also had a rushing touchdown uh, as well as 187 total yards. And like you said, after the game, Purdy endorsed McCaffrey to VMVP, which you have to love too, right? you got to love that you're on a team and you have a quarterback who would – Put you in front of himself, right? It's it's selfless, and you don't see that all the time uh, because guys winning MVP is a huge huge honor. Uh, but I so I really respect that Brock Purdy would say I think my teammate Christian McCaffrey should win it over myself. Uh, definitely have to respect that about an athlete. Uh, also, a winning an award. He doesn't play the game of football, but he looks amazing. Uh, this would be Tommy DeVito's agent, Sean Stellato who was inducted into the Italian Hall of Fame. I mean, his outfit, he looks like a tiny leprechaun. He looks ridiculous. Uh, but as an Italian Amber, I feel just a sense of, of real warmth and joy knowing that this guy has been put into the Hall of Fame, my people's Hall of Fame. Absolutely. The, the suit was an interesting choice, though, because it is the Italian um, American sports hall of fame. And he definitely <laughs> looks like the guy on the lucky charms box. So that was, that was awesome. But, um, I, I love it. I, I think that him being a story this week was, was a lot of fun. The memes were incredible. Him kissing, um, Tommy DeVito's dad on the cheek, uh, during the game against the Packers was, was so funny, but I didn't even know there was an Italian American sports hall of fame, but I mean, he's in good company. It's got like Joe DiMaggio, um, Vince Lombardi. I think Jerry Colangelo's in there. So, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Charlie, maybe, maybe you'll make it there one day. I was going to say, should I, uh, can you throw my name in the hat? I feel like I have to be nominated. I'm not sure how that works. I, I, I if I nominate myself, it, it might not be seen as, as credible. Can you nominate me? Absolutely. I'll write you a recommendation right now. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, also, let's just look at um, uh, Tommy DeVito. Uh, we were expecting another big game from him. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Um, you know, they were on a three-game streak, uh, putting themselves in indefinite uh, playoff contention. He was sacked seven times over the course of the game. Uh, just did not put up the numbers that he wanted. And now it looks like unless, like, 
you know how they do these crazy like mathematical equations like if this happens and this happens and then there's an avalanche in this state then potentially this team can get into the playoffs like that's where the Giants are right now um so probably not looking at doing anything in the postseason they'll likely be sitting at home um it's unfortunate right it was it was a nice fairy tale story from Tommy DeVito but uh you know not all things can go the way that you want them to yeah, the, the the honeymoon of Tommy Cutlets is, is probably over. Um, no offense to the kid, but they still have to play the Eagles twice to, to round out the season. So I have a feeling things aren't going to get a whole lot better. But I hope it's not too big for his britches. I actually read a story um, over the during the past week that there's a family pizza place in New Jersey called, I think it's called like Coniglio's or something, but he was supposed to do an event there. He was going to show up for two hours, sign autographs, um, his fee was $10,000. Well, apparently after he beat the Packers last week, um, the, the agent called the pizza place and said that his fee had raised to $20,000. So they could no longer. Oh my God. Have, yeah. So they could no longer afford to have Tommy DeVito there um, for this appearance. But that's just like, that really got me because I mean, I totally understand that Tommy and his agent need to be compensated for their time. But I mean, I know all pros and Super Bowl champions who don't charge $20,000 to sign autographs. So that one, that's not a great look. And it, maybe this week we'll, we'll humble both of them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Hey, pizza place. Can we, can we, can we run it back? We are willing to do the 10,000. Would you like to do the signing now? The pizza place is probably like F you. No. Um, yeah. Wow. $10,000 for what? It was probably two hours, maybe not even. Two hours and a few autographs. I mean, that's, yeah. That's a good gig. If you can get it. That's a, that's a good rate. I will sign autographs for that. I mean, I'll just sign autographs full time. Uh, if that's the kind of rate that I'm making, that's incredible. Um, okay, let's move on to another thing that happened this weekend. There was This was an eventful weekend. Um, this weekend marked 250 years since the Boston Tea Party took place. That was on Saturday. Uh, but now we are rewriting history, at least as far as the Washington Post is concerned, which, again, it's the Washington Post. So everything you say, everything they say, yeah, you got to take with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but there is an author, Theodore R. Johnson, who is looking to rewrite history now and say that this brave group of patriots, right, the ones that said no taxation without representation, the ones that tossed all of the crates of tea into the into the water from the British East India Company, these, you know, leaders that led to our nation being what it is today, uh, they actually were just complete racists, right? Uh, these were entitled white men who were wearing black faces, they were wearing Native American headdresses, and they were, you know, doing all this to commit, quote, seditious conspiracy and destroy private property. Amber, why is this always the case? Why do people want to take things that happen? I mean, are very much white history in this country and portray it as being racist? That's that's that is what they do. I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about Karen Phillips um, and I think Theodore R. Johnson is, yes. is a similar is a similar case where it's his job to find racism in everything. And he certainly did on this 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. But the one thing that got me is he said that this was an act of terrorism because they trespassed and destroyed property all because they didn't want to obey a duly passed law. Um First of all, the same people defending the Black Lives Matter riots are suddenly worried about 
private property, but also the, exactly. he specifically he specifically mentions Rosa Parks and Harriet Tubman as actual American heroes that that we should look up to. And I'm certainly not arguing that, but guess what those women did? They rebelled against a duly passed law. So is that okay or is that terrorism? But really his whole issue with the Tea Party is that it was majority white men who carried it out. We shouldn't idolize them because they don't look like Americans these days. But the whole idea that you can't celebrate or appreciate something just because the people who did it don't look like you, that's the most racist attitude you can have. Uh, absolutely. And I feel like people have got to be getting sick of these type of statements being made, right? These type of stories being written. I'm not sure, uh, because if maybe you're a Washington Post reader and this is what you're consuming on a regular basis, maybe this is the kind of rhetoric that you're looking for. But I don't know. Have you seen any comments um, as far as what people are saying about Theodore, Theodore R. Johnson? Sounds like he should be a president, right? Uh, thank goodness he's not. Uh, about what he's saying in terms of the story. Yeah, I actually, so I, I like to read the comments on Twitter versus the comments on the actual website because there's usually a pretty pretty big difference. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But um, even, the, even the comments on this Washington Post article, like on the actual Washington Post website, people were like, yeah, this one might be a little bit of a stretch guy. Um, and someone else pointed out the same thing that I said. They were like, well, does that make Rosa Parks a terrorist? Like what a ridiculous thing to say. Um, so, I mean, the whole nation was founded on people rebelling against duly passed laws. That was the entire revolution. So if you have an issue with this one thing, then you then you pretty much think we just need to belong to the British still um, to this day. But um, I mean, like I pointed out in, in the story, the, the British, the monarchy, they're all white people too. So, I mean, who was in the right? Yeah, <laughs> I know that's, that's where my, my brain first went. I was like, usually if it's racism, doesn't it have to be two different groups of different colors acting against each other. I don't see it. Um, okay, well, I'm sure this won't be the last time that we hear about some ridiculous notion from a Washington Post um, author, so uh, or Deadspin, or uh, any of the likes. So uh, thank you for shedding some light on that. If you want to go check out Amber's story, that's uh, posted on outkick.com as of this weekend. Also posted on outkick.com, something we can expect from Amber each and every week now, which I love, is her woman splaining column. And this, Amber, as you know, is a topic that hits close to home for me. Uh, this is what I based my very first show off of, and that's the idea of toxic masculinity. And I love that you delved even further into it and really got to the crux of, you know, being masculine inherently is not toxic. And, and, and something that I read as far as your article was concerned, and I remember seeing this when I was doing my research for the first show, examples of toxic masculinity, the three first things that come up, rape, sexual assault, violence against women. And I remember thinking to myself the same thing. I'm like, okay, whoever is inside of the algorithms at Google or writing all of this copy uh, has no idea what they're talking about uh, because they really, those th three things don't tie to masculinity. Those are just like you mentioned, just straight up crimes. Um, the, you, you talked a lot in terms of what toxic masculinity means, uh, what it means to be feminine, why being masculine is important to allow women to be feminine. I don't even know where to begin because there's so many good points here. Talk to me about the most important discoveries that you found and laid out in your woman's planning column. Yeah. So I, 
same thing. That was what struck me the most when I was looking up examples of toxic masculinity. Because I was like, that's not, that's not rape and sexual assault are not examples of being too masculine. I would argue that is not very masculine at all. Those are just heinous crimes. Um, but when you look at what is actual masculinity, that innate desire to be a provider, to be a protector, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing toxic about that. And to suggest the term toxic masculinity is to is to suggest that men are all born with some sort of malevolence inside them that needs to be exercised, right? And so then when you have all this toxic masculinity and all this hatred toward men just for being men, I think you tend to take it out on feminists. And I don't think that's fair either. I think feminism at its core is very important. Without feminism, Charlie, we would not be where we are right now. So I think feminism at its core is a very great thing, but I feel like the movement has veered so far off course that it's instead of celebrating the ways that we're different, it's wanting us all to be the same. And we're not the same. We're equal under the law, of course, but we're not the same. And so when you just take it to that cellular level and in relationships, there's such an important balance between masculinity and femininity in a relationship. And those things shouldn't be hated on. They're not toxic. They're actually really healthy. Yeah. And I think for probably women like us who have careers and we're strong and we're assertive. And honestly, I consider myself an alpha, uh, which sometimes in relationships can get a little tricky, right? Because men, you know, the men that I like are also alphas, right? So sometimes you get a little bit of butting heads there uh, because you have two alphas. But I think that there's a very, you know, certain way of going about it. I think if a man is able to assert his masculine qualities, you know, and not in like a a, a toxic way, but in a, just a very natural way, I am able to kind of let go of some of those assertive qualities that I have and those, you know, those dominant qualities. And I'm able to be, I don't want to say, I don't like the word submissive um, because I feel like that just naturally has a negative connotation to it, but you're able just to lean a little bit more into your femininity and let them take the reins. Um, that was like always something I remember years ago. I mean, this was probably like 2000. 17, back when I had a dating profile, uh, I remember one of the things or little comments that I had left on my dating profile was, you know, something you look for in a man. And I had said, someone that can just let me sit back while you take the reins. Uh, because I'm so used to men not doing that, right? Where I have to be the one to, to do everything and make things happen. And I'm like, am I the man in the relationship or are you? Um, so I actually really, what you were talking about in the article really resonated with me in talking about your relationship with your husband. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like you, I have to be one of the boys all day at work, right? So when I go home, I don't yeah. want to be a boy anymore. <laughs> I want to be the woman in the relationship. So <laughs> it's, um, it's and, and to suggest that, you know, a man can't be masculine because it's like he's in charge of you or something, that's not the case at all. Um, it's just the fact that you can still be equal partners, equal contributors, and you can just fall into those natural roles that we've had since the beginning of time. You know, like me allowing my husband to open doors for me or carry my heavy suitcase or pump my gas for me does not make me weak and submissive. That's just allowing him to <laughs> no, be I love it. masculinity <laughs> to take that role, right? So, um, and I'm more than happy with that because like our dishwasher broke this week. Who ordered the part and, and 
fixed it? <laughs> Certainly not me, you know? <laughs> and so I, I like the fact that I can rely on him for things like that. And there's a certain piece that comes with just knowing that you are protected and taken care of in a relationship. Yeah. It's actually so funny because I mean, I, I, I mean, now I, I do expect, I mean, if I'm, you know, on a date or with a guy, you, you better open the door for me. I mean, that's just like a, a given. There are certain things. I mean, also like when we go out to dinner, like, I'm sorry, you're paying for the dinner. Like that's just, you are the, you're the man you're paying. Like I know people are like, Oh, we should split or it's no, you're paying. Um, there are certain things that I am very steadfast in when I, when I think about my relationship with a man, uh, the responsibilities that I think that they have, but also then I have my own responsibilities as a woman, but it just takes me back to a story when I was younger. I remember, and I'm very conscious of this now, uh, when I was out to dinner with my father and I, the waitress came over and she said, what do you, what do you guys want? And I ordered for the whole table, you know, for my dad and myself, I was like, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. <laughs> the waitress walked away and my dad was like, Charlie, I am the man. I will order the food. And I was like, got it. So now I actually will wait a second. You know, when I'm sitting down at the table, I'll wait. Cause I'm like, wait, should I say it or not? And sometimes like, there'll be like that weird silence. I'm like, okay, I guess I can say it, but I don't want to overstep. Right. Because I think that there is the nat natural, um, um, uh, something or other for, for me to, to take those steps sometimes. Uh, something in your article that I loved is, is you being the passenger princess. I love that you referred to yourself as the passenger princess. Um, he handles everything. You just get to sit in the car like the princess that you are. Uh, really respected that. Is there anything else that men, for the men watching, or even women watching, is there anything else that, if they're not able to read through your whole article, something that they should know as far as this dynamic is concerned um, that also kind of gives a little bit of uh, insight into everything that you were talking about this week? Yeah, I had a reader email me. And um, one of the things that I... I, I really love about this column is just being able to get input um, from readers. They're really active, um, especially on this column. And it, I love getting their input. But one guy said that he and his wife have found these natural gender roles that work for them. And it is that around the house, she takes care of everything inside the house. Like She does most of the cleaning, most of the laundry, most of the cooking, Whereas he takes care of everything outside of the house. So she doesn't have to worry about mowing the lawn or landscaping or any kind of cleaning and upkeep of the vehicles or the garage or anything like that. And I just, I loved that because then I got to thinking about it and I was like, that's actually how we handle things too. And even though we've never sat down and made this chore chart, you know, with gold stars for good behavior, it's, it's kind of the natural roles that we fell into. Um, so I just love that there's, you know, everybody has a different dynamic. Obviously a stay-at-home mom is going to be different than dinks like my husband and I are. Um, but I just love that there's, <laughs> you know, that like there's there's some sort of an embrace of, of gender roles in, in a certain way. And that does, it's not a bad thing. That's really not a bad thing. Like we can all kind of lean into our strengths and that doesn't make anything toxic. That doesn't make masculinity toxic. It doesn't make femininity weak. It just means that we can all kind of lean into where we are, where we're strongest and where we just naturally fall. Uh, a quick question on the subject of dinks. Are you and your husband also obsessed with Costco? Because I found that when I was watching all of the dink videos, they just would not stop talking about Costco. I'm like, I'm sorry, am I, 
I know that Costco like has a big variety of things you can buy in bulk, which I guess to some people is very exciting. I live in New York City. My apartment's not big enough to buy in bulk. But are are you two also obsessed with Costco? We're a Sam's Club family, actually. And it's not that anything against Costco. <laughs> There's just a Sam's Club closer to us. But we hate going to Sam's Club. So um, okay, not sponsored, but Instacart is is the absolute way to go because I can just tip. I, I, I tip very generously, but I just let someone else go into that madhouse for me. And yeah, we we have a closet full of food in bulk actually right over here um, that we save for a rainy day if we ever need it. If 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 the stuff really hits the fan, we're we're gonna be ready. <laughs> you're you're ready for the apocalypse. Yep. Or or a snowstorm or just, you know, any or just if I don't or, or a snowstorm or <laughs> yeah, or a day when you're watching football on a Sunday and you just can't be bothered to do anything. Uh, any of those situations apply. Amber, thank you so much as always. And we will be looking forward to uh, chatting with you again next week and uh, diving into all the things. Plus, of course, your woman's planning comment, which uh, or column, which uh, a new one will be posting on Friday. So everyone get ready. Oh, wait, will there be one? Because it's I know we're going into a holiday week. Will you still have one? Yeah, there'll still be one this weekend. It'll be it'll be a little lighter, just a little fun um, Christmas type stuff, because I know people are going to be uh, hanging out with families and everything on Friday. So but there'll still be one. OK, awesome. Well, I guess Merry Christmas, right? Yeah, Weird. Yeah, I like I'm losing track of time. But yeah, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll uh, catch up after the holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Have a Merry Christmas, Charlie. Thank you. Outkick the morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. So weird. I'm like, Merry Christmas. It does not feel like Christmas. It's pouring down rain right now in New York, literally pouring. Uh, they've already put out all these alerts like there's going to be flooding. Make sure you've got everything figured out. Uh, Amber's actually got it figured out because I just got a, a message from Con Ed, which is the electricity provider in New York, and they were saying make sure you're prepared in case the power goes out. So maybe I should have gone to Costco. Maybe I will be stuck in my apartment for the rest of the day and not be able to do anything, and, and I'm not going to have anything to eat. Um, I guess that's that's fine, right? I'll just continue on my, my healthy diet. Uh, no sugar here. Okay, let's end on some positive news. Uh, we don't actually get to do that all the time because there's so much insanity going on in the world that a lot of times I'm just on these these crazy rants. Uh, but here is some good news. An NCAA survey is showing that student-athletes' mental health is improving since the pandemic. And thank goodness, right, we all were in, like, the weirdest headspaces during the pandemic. Uh, at least I know that I also was. Uh, but let's look at the numbers. In men's sports, 17% of respondents said that they constantly feel overwhelmed, which is down from 25%. So this is an 8% decrease. 16% uh, reported feelings of mental exhaustion. That's down from 22%. And this was the, I'm, I'm talking about men because the most significant decreases did come from males in division one, which makes total sense, right? Guys can let go of their problems way more easily than women can. Uh, I've never been a man, but just as, as a woman who has spoken to many men, I feel like I harp on things and let things get to me far more uh, than my male co counterparts. Uh, let's get to the women's numbers though. I found that 44% of women sports participants reported feeling overwhelmed. That's down from 47%. That's only 3%, but hey, we'll take it. And then 35% reported feeling mentally exhausted, down from 38%. So again, that's a 3% difference. Now, there were studies that showed that students of color, those identifying on what they're saying, the queer spectrum, uh, you identify as transgender or non-binary, also reported mental health struggles at higher rates. But honestly, 
I'm not even going to get into all that. I'm going to focus on the positive here. I feel like there's always going to be people that want to make a problem out of nothing. Uh, if you would like to concoct problems in your head, that's your prerogative. Uh, but I think the good news is people are starting to feel better. Uh, it was a weird time in the pandemic, right? We didn't even know what was going to happen. It was, I mean, if we would have looked back and realized that everything actually was totally fine and we were really just on more of a glorified extended summer vacation, uh, we would have handled things much differently, been in a totally different headspace. But we all were panicking a little bit. We were all feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, run down, not really sure what to expect in the coming months, years. Uh, so I'm happy to hear that everyone's feeling better. I know that I'm feeling better. I still have, you know, of course, my episodes of slight anxiety here and there, not pandemic related. I think that just most people these days have some type of anxiety, maybe some type of depression. I unfortunately think that's totally normal. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, but I think when you look at all of the things that we're consuming and doing on a regular basis, it makes total sense. Uh, but I'm happy to hear that people for the most part are feeling better. Uh, I got a dog during the pandemic. My dog is turning four years old in January, Zora. Uh, she's the love of my life. And I got her because I one day, uh, it was very early on in the pandemic. It was like March, we'll say it was like March 30th. I just remember one night I had this huge breakdown. I'm like, I'm getting a dog. And my mom was like, oh my God, please just get the dog. Just, just shut up and get the dog. Uh, she had been trying to convince me not to get a dog for several years leading up because I was always traveling for WWE. Finally, she was like, okay, this might be a good time. I got the dog, best decision of my life. Literally just had this conversation with my dog the other day. Like I straight up, I was like, Zora, you know that you were worth every penny of the $3,000 that I paid for you. Yeah, I paid $3,000 for my dog. I did not adopt. Uh, I do not care because she's the greatest. She's a Cavalier King Charles. They don't go up for adoption. They're just that cute and that amazing of dogs that, that people just aren't going to give those ones up. Anyways, I'm going in a little bit of a tangent. Bottom line, people are feeling better. Uh, this very much being portrayed in the athletic sphere, uh, which is important. You know, you want your uh, college athletes to be on their A game and feeling spruce and spry. And I feel like we are getting back to those days. So, Everybody, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for being here on Outkick the Morning. Um, I've got a little bit of an announcement for you. I know we've said this a few times. I mean it this time. This is happening. We are no longer going to be airing live on YouTube as of January 3rd. We are only going to be airing the shows live on Outkick.com. You'll still be able to get the shows on the back end on YouTube, but make sure you put this in your back pocket Outkick.com backslash watch will be your one-stop shop for all things Outkick. So that's where the live shows are going to be. So make sure you are going there as of January 3rd. Uh, everybody, on that note, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That means pleasure in my vocabulary. And uh, have a good one. Make sure you follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. And I will see all of you tomorrow morning.